And so you've had like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people copy WP Curve though since you started. Well, well, I have. I mean, in in their defense, I've also written a book that's been read by tens of thousands of people that yeah. teaches you how to copy WP Curve. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome, listener, to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about all things sales, funnels, and marketing automation. I'm your host, Barry Moore. Thanks for joining us today. On the show, I've got a return guest, Dan Norris, one of my favorite guys to follow online because he puts out epic content on how to be an entrepreneur and how to build a business. And he's just released a new book called Content Machine. His first book, Seven Day Startup, was fantastic. I recommend it to anybody who's building their own business. So I wanted to get him back on the show today to talk about content marketing a little bit. As you know, there's basically three ways to get traffic into your funnel, uh, organic or content marketing and paid traffic as well as joint venture traffic. So content marketing's become all the buzz, but there's lots of people out there doing it really, really poorly. So we want to get Dan on to talk about how you can do it right and how you can use content marketing to generate traffic for your sales funnels. But first, before we do that, the shameless social proof segment where I read out one of your five-star reviews from iTunes. This week, we've got one from Matt Jones. He says, five stars, totally awesome podcast. This podcast has been awesome for me. I've learned a ton, and it keeps getting better. Great work, Barry. Well, thanks, Matt. I appreciate you taking the time to leave a review on iTunes. And uh, I would encourage anybody to go ahead over to Stitcher or iTunes, leave us a review. It helps us drive us up in the iTunes rankings so that more people can find this great content and can start building out their businesses with marketing automation as well. So let's get into this week's episode with Dan Norris. All right, we have a repeat guest on the show, uh, one of my favorite guys to follow online, Dan Norris, and that's because Dan puts out killer content all the time. So uh, as you know, there's basically three basic ways to get traffic into your funnel, organic, paid, and uh, joint venture traffic. So uh, we got Dan on to talk about organic traffic because he's killer at it. Dan, welcome back. Thanks for having me. And, and also, I'm not very good at the other two things, so it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, good, fair enough. it's good to just talk about what you're good at. Yeah, it seems, um, I don't know, in recent years, content marketing has become the buzzword, and there's people out there doing it everywhere, and some of them are doing it really, really poorly, and some of them, like yourself, do it really, really well. Well, most people are doing it poorly if, if you believe the stats that, on whether or not it works, and I assume if it's not working for people, it means they're doing it poorly, so... Um, and I did it poorly for a long time as well. I think I wrote three or 400 blog posts before I got any traction on those posts at all. I think it was 300 before I got more than 10 tweets on a single piece of content. So uh, I've learned a lot of hard lessons and, and tried to put them all uh, in, into the, a, a, something that's going to help other people do it a lot quicker than I did it. Jesus, man, you're pretty persistent <laughs> if you're banging away for 300 with, with no... Well, the thing is, like, I, I didn't have any other way that I could think that I would be good at marketing a business. Like I just was not a sales guy. I tried it. I sucked at it. I hated it. 
Um, I didn't know if I could have a business without being a sales guy. And uh, it's sort of an argument that people have. And I really wanted to prove that you could because I know there's a lot of people like me who want to build a business and want to just spend all of their time on what they like, not just a fraction of it. Because if you're just spending a fraction on doing what you like, then you're only sort of a fraction better than having a job. So I wanted to spend 100% of my time on doing what I liked and I knew that was content. It was about the only thing I enjoyed from my first business. And so I set about um, creating a business based purely on content marketing and um, I, I eventually got there, but <laughs> it was a bit of a struggle to start with. All right. Well, maybe we, we take a step back and uh, why content marketing in the first place? Well, I think a lot of people start it for one reason, which is the same reason I started it and the same reason Neil Patel started it who wrote the foreword to Content Machine, which is they couldn't afford to pay advertising. And it might be couldn't afford to pay advertising because your idea is new and you have no money, which is really common. Like in, the crowd of people that I talk to are new entrepreneurs or, or entrepreneurs who are, who are getting shit done themselves, not not like funded companies. Yeah. And these guys don't have any money. So they need to do marketing that doesn't cost anything. So that's a lot of the reason why people get into content marketing. I think I got into it definitely for that reason. I've never had money to spend on advertising in my businesses. I never had significant money. Um, I, I probably do now, but I also don't want to do something I'm not good at. So we're, we're very careful with how much we spend outside of things we're good at. But the other reason I got into it was it's it's like a creative outlet and I'm more of a creative than a, a hardcore sales type entrepreneur. I think entrepreneurs tend to fall somewhere on that scale and I'm a bit further down the creative end than, than some other people are. And um, for that reason, content marketing was so appealing to me, just the idea of like creating something that's going to help other people and using that to build a business just seems like such an epic way to spend your time compared to sitting at coffee shops and trying to sell people WordPress websites. <laughs> you mean that doesn't work? Didn't work for me. All right, yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm, most of my audience is probably familiar with content marketing, but for those of for those of those who for those of those for those of those who aren't, uh, what is content marketing? Well, I take a, a very broad definition, which is uh, the, really just the creation of anything that's going to get attention to your brand and build trust and help the people in your community, and you could break that out in a lot of different ways. I mean. If you take that definition, you could say that Red Bull are doing content marketing by giving away free cans of Red Bull, which I'm not sure if that's true. But I still like the definition because content marketing is a lot broader than blogging. And I don't want people to think if I'm going to do content marketing, then I'm just going to write blog articles because I think they're going to make the biggest mistake that people make straight away, which is to just disregard their audience and disregard quality and just do what someone else is doing. And that's a theme in both my books is like – if you're just following what someone else is doing, you're going to figure out pretty soon that it doesn't work for you. And if, that, if that's building a business or if it's doing content marketing, you're going to get the same result, which is a bad one. So um, I think creating free stuff, giving it away is, is what content marketing is. And, and, and what that free stuff is will depend on your audience, depend on what skills you have, depend on what you can scale. It'll depend on your business, depend on what you're prepared to give away for free. And all of those decisions that go into that will um, will determine the quality and the usefulness of that to the audience. And um, it could be content, it could be written content, it could be plugins, it could be um, your time, it could be information, bigger content like books, it could be calls, it could be forums, um, it could be really anything that you're giving away to free that adds value with the goal of, of getting attention initially and then building trust and, and spreading the word of your brand. 
All right. Well, you brought up a good point there a minute ago where you're talking about, um, you know, you didn't have money to do it and it doesn't cost anything. Uh, is that really true, though? Because if you're taking, you know, days to come up with a great blog post or a great piece of content, you know, that's opportunity cost. You could be spending somewhere else in the business. So, you know, is it really free? Well, no, I didn't say it was free. I said it was, I said I didn't have the money to spend on advertising. (laughs) So, I mean, your time is never free, but um, I think when you're starting a business, you've got an abundance of time and you've got no money. And even if you don't have an abundance of time, you still have no money. (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. So even if you don't have enough time, you still have to do something to market that business. And, and if you have no money, then then that really limits your options, But which I think is a great thing, by the way, because I think paid advertising is one of the worst things you can do when you start a business. And I mentioned that in my first book. I talk about that a lot because I think the numbers that you need to make paid advertising work, you just do not understand when you're launching a business. There's so much that's going to change. You're very, very, very unlikely to make any kind of paid advertising work, um, especially for the sort of audience that I that I kind of like the community that I serve of, of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and self-starters. Um, but content marketing is definitely not free. Nothing is free if it takes your time. Um, but I think if you can, it, it, it's, it's a good thing that you can start it yourself. And if you can get to the point where you can scale it and delegate it and get someone else to do it, then that's, that's the, the, the best outcome. I think that, that puts you in a category of an entrepreneurial content marketer, which is the sort of content marketer I want to breed out of, launching this book and I think a lot of people don't get to that point even the big influences a lot of them they're doing a lot of their own content and they really struggle to go from doing their own content to being the entrepreneur that strategizes and having someone else do the content so that's what I want to achieve in this book yeah very cool Uh, I did I want to loop back to something you said a minute ago about disregarding your audience can you kind of expand on that about sorry, say that again. Uh, you said you know a lot of people when they get started they uh, with content market they, they they kind of disregard their audience. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I think people just follow what other people do, and and it's a huge mistake. Like people see someone else having success, whether it's business or with content or with anything, and they just blindly follow what they do. And in the end, content marketing is about creating value for your community, and I call it community because audience is sort of a little bit one way. Um, but it's very much two-way content marketing. You need to figure out a way to add value to this community of people that are going to care about you enough to tell people about your business. And um, so just going out and writing a bunch of blog posts is totally the wrong way to go about it. You need to experiment a lot and figure out what they care about and get to the point where you really understand what they care about. And I think a lot of the problems people have as well, especially when it comes to scaling, is they scale the wrong things. Like they might be having success with their business, but the content they might be doing might actually be all wrong and the success might be for something else and then they'll scale that wrong content or, or they're not having success, but they just want to get someone else to do it, but they haven't yet really understood how to get maximum income by uh, impact by creating high value content that the community really cares about. And if you don't understand that, you're going to scale something that doesn't work. So that's the, that's at the core of every content marketer that I've seen that does things well. And, um, the success I've had in my own business and the failure, it's all really come down to how good a job I've done at really tapping into that audience or community. All right. Cool. Very cool. And I guess too, you know, you, as if you're going to, if you're going to spend the time, if it's early days for you and you haven't delegated yet, you're going to spend the time creating that content yourself. It has to be in a modality that kind of resonates with you and the audience. You know, if you're not a great writer, then maybe blog posts aren't for you, but, or, you know, maybe video or podcasting, or as you said, you know, participating in forums is better. I think you need to find something that works for you because if it doesn't work for you, you know, you're not going to want to do it. 
it's kind of like that's that's definitely true because the quality is such a huge impact and if you, if you can't do quality consistently because you don't like what you're doing then it's going to die but the other part of that equation that a lot of people don't think about is the scale aspect and a lot of people run out and do lots of video content lots of audio content and have this podcast and then they get to the point where they don't want to do it anymore and they have no choice but to just stop doing it and I did that as well um, with my podcast and my videos and the problem with that is that those two different mediums are very, very hard to scale. And when I set about trying to scale our content marketing, I didn't say like, how do we, how do we, you know, do videos and do podcasts and do blogs? I, I, I said, how do we create as much value as possible by, by getting someone else to do it? And we experimented with the idea of a podcast and I just found I couldn't control the process enough. It wasn't good enough quality. It wasn't differentiated enough. To me, it wasn't great content. And so we didn't do it. And so we killed the podcast and we just focused on written content. Now, there's probably exceptions to this where, okay, if you're going out and building a personal brand and you're just kind of having fun and, you, you know, you're, you're, you're doing an event or launching a membership, but I know I do a bit of personal content as well, which is all cool to do yourself. But if you want to build a brand and eventually take an entrepreneurial approach, which is to work on the business, not in the business, or work on the content, not in the content, um, then you need to choose a type of content that's going to scale or you need to figure out, uh, you make some tough decisions at the point of scale where you kill off some of your babies and you just focus on the stuff that does scale. And that's what we did. And it was a little bit of a transition, but um, I think it's worth thinking about at the start when you think about what sort of content you're going to do. Yeah, I think someone who's done that, uh, one of the only people who's done that well is, um, you know, Clay Collins at Lee Pages. They, when he started out, he was the face, you know, he was doing all the videos yep. and he was doing all the audio content. And then basically, as you said, he's got to the point in the scale where it wasn't going to make sense for him anymore. And he basically outsourced the podcast to Tim Page as the host. Um, and, yep. you know, that's just gone from strength to strength to strength, even though yep. Clay's not the that, face of it anymore. A, that's a great, that's a great one. Um, I guess what I would say to that though is lead page lead, lead pages have multi millions of dollars in funding. Yeah, um, true. And that definitely helps. The ability to uh, to get someone in to pay them a lot of money to look after your content definitely helps. And there's the other companies who've gotten to that level of scale. Like funded companies do this all the time. Like Help Scout, Groove, um, really successful business can pay a lot of people. Uh, you know, Buffer, lots and lots of funding that a full time content team. HubSpot, uh, massive massive content team. Like funded companies can do this because they have the money to do it, um, and it's just second nature that that's what they do. It doesn't make sense for the CEO to be to be doing Periscope calls every day and, and having a podcast. Um, Don't tell Chris Ducker but, that. Well, well <laughs> we can talk. We can talk about Chris. I think his strategy is bang on um, for 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 what he does. But his like his big uh, entrepreneurial successes are with his his like traditional businesses. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he barely even talks about those things in his personal brand. And his personal brand is a totally separate entity. Yeah. Um, and it gives him every, everything that he wants and it's incredibly well executed. But th- that's, that's not a good strategy for everyone else. Like it's a good strategy for Chris Ducker at his stage in entrepreneurship. But I don't think it's a good strategy for a lot of the people listening to this call. Um, but, but what they're going to have to figure out is how do you get the Clay Collins result without the Clay Collins funding? Yeah. Um, depending on who your audience members are, of course, if they're going to get multi millions in funding, then that's awesome. Um, oh. but the, the challenge we had was sort of, you know, how do you, how do you create that content without really having a lot of money to get someone, a whole team in to do it. And a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with that. All right. Well, let's loop back to that. So say you're, you know, you're seven day startup or you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, and you want to get on the content marketing train and do it the right way. How do you, how do you start? 
Uh, well, I think all the stuff we've mentioned in terms of uh, trying a lot of things and looking for traction, they're probably the big ones. I mean, you, you should start firstly with the business. And if, you, if you've got a seven-day startup, then, of course, your business is perfect because you followed my process. <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, but a lot of people don't start there. They start with the, the content or, or more to the point, they start after the content and figure out how to get it traction when, when all these fundamentals are wrong. So assuming the business is okay and that's all structurally good, assuming the logic between what content you're producing in the business makes sense, um, then you just need to get over the hurdle of how do you create great content for people. And to me, I think you do that by testing a lot of things, by modelling off other people who are doing it well in other industries, ideally other industries, and figuring out a way to differentiate uh, based on, you know, what is going to get traction in your, in your market. And it could be, I mean, the, the thing is with content marketing, is it's a massive scale. You can start out the absolute simplest, well, probably even the, the even further from the simplest, which is just putting out crappy content, but we'll leave that out of the equation. Let's say the simplest form of content marketing is you can do what Marcus Sheridan did with River Pools and Spas, which is simply to answer questions that your customers might have. So how much does a pool cost? Um, do versus articles and best best of articles and list articles, like that kind of stuff. Really simple. You're a craft beer business. How much, is it, how much does beer cost? Like, you know, what's the difference between a Saison and, um, and a Stout? Like that kind of stuff. And it, and it goes all the way up to the Red Bull level of multi-million dollar feature films designed just to get the attention of an energy drink and everything in between. And where does your market sit in that? Like with, if you're in the online marketing space like I am, if I, if I do the basic stuff, it's not going to fly. It's not, no one's going to care about that because it, the market has moved on from that. Um, if I do the, the transparency stuff, revealing everything we do along the way, it might get a little bit of traction, but there's so many people doing that now. If you started doing that, I think you'd really struggle getting traction on that as well. But when we did that with the craft beer industry, no one was doing that and we're the only ones and the thing just blew up out of nothing and we've only got 12 posts on our site and it's led to all sorts of amazing things, including funding to build a brewery. Um, wow. So so you need to look at where you are on that spectrum and how do you get ahead of the competition and also monitor that. Like your your market might have no idea about content marketing, so you might start out writing the Marcus Sheridan type content of answering customer questions, but you might find that competitors – clue onto that straight away and they've got older sites, more established sites. So when they start doing it, they start outranking you and start getting more attention. You need to take it to a new level and figure out a new way to differentiate. Yeah, fair enough. And, I, you know, with that modeling bit, you know, you say one of the steps is to kind of go out there and model people that work. And I think, you know, how do you avoid, how do you avoid being same, same? And how yeah. do you avoid doing something that might work for somebody else, you know, say Neil Patel is a great blogger, but you know, I'm not Neil Patel or, you know, the listeners, yep. Neil, Neil Patel. So just because he blogs all the time and he's a great blogger doesn't mean that I should blog. If you know what I mean. That's right. And also a lot of people don't consider that a lot of these guys started a long time ago. Like Neil's first blog post was years and years ago. And, um, like if Neil Patel releases a blog now, he's got literally hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people around the world that are going to pay attention to that. So I don't forget that either. When I launch something now, people will pay attention to it. Um, when I first launched something, no one gave a shit. So <laughs> you have a massive hurdle to get over with that. Um, and one way you can do it is just applying this, this scale idea of like you know crappy content all the way to the most amazing content just in your business. So if no one's blogging in your industry, then Neil Patel's strategy that he's doing right now 
um, might go really well. I mean, let's face it, if, if you started out in the online marketing world and did exactly what Neil Patel is doing right now, like if you created exactly that type of content, it would probably go unnoticed, not, yeah, not because no it's not no good content. Yeah, no one's going to know it's there because there's so much. Yeah, there's just so much. There's so much competition. So you have to do do things differently. And and I've so I've got a whole quarter of the book that talks about case studies about people who've been able to do that. Um, John Dumas is, is a great example that I love mentioning because everyone was doing a podcast, but no one was doing a daily podcast. And he just like literally out hustled everybody. Um, and that's one thing you can do. You can just do a shitload more than everyone else is doing. And that's one of the options in the book I talk about. Transparency is another one, like the Pat Flynn with his income reports. At the time, no one was doing it. It seemed weird. He believed something that other people didn't believe and he executed on it and got tremendous results. If you did it now in the online marketing world, it would probably be, be treated with a lot of skepticism, which, which ours are. Um, and, and well, I mean, I started doing them in 2012, so I've got a bit of a head start and they're still very effective. But doing it now would, you know, it would be very difficult to make that work. So the scale idea, taking, taking something on the scale from another industry, applying it to yours is a good way to do it. Copying someone is a disaster. And if you've ever read anything that I've put out, you'll, you'll know that that's, that's my opinion on that, whether you're copying someone's business or copying someone's content because what works for them is just not going to work for you. And so <laughs> You've had like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people copy WP Curve though since you started. Well, well I have. I mean, in, in their defense, I've also written a book that's been read by tens of thousands of people that yeah. teaches you how to copy WP Curve. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing is I don't, obviously I don't care because, yeah, yeah. It, you know, I really do believe that someone copying someone else is not going to work because there's just too many variables yeah, like sure. with entrepreneurship and with content as well. So that's a bad strategy. But modeling off other people is something I do all the time and um, it, it really helps you raise raise the bar in terms of execution. Like if you're, if you're, if, if you're solely focused on one blogger and what they do is not very good but what you think they do is great, then the quality of what you do is not going to be very good. So broadening your horizons, getting uh, motivation from a bunch of different worlds. Like I, I sort of hang out in the startup world, the um, design world, the blogging world, the entrepreneurship and bootstrapping world, the internet marketing world. You combine all of those things, you get exposed to a whole bunch of different types of strategies for content marketing. If you're just in one, you're, you're not going to get the full spectrum and you're not going to really understand what good execution of content is. Um, so focusing on quality, focusing on what you're good at, but keeping scale in mind, testing a bunch of things and applying something from another industry into yours are up some of the best things I think you can do. Yeah, I think you you know, you know have to look at the mix of your skills and the mix of what your customers need and what's been done and you have to come up with a, a unique way to do something rather than just doing the same thing everyone's doing. Otherwise, it's, yeah. just, it's not going to work for you and it's not going to work for your customers. But the, lo- the other thing is with skills is is, is don't, don't assume all skills are equal either because – some skills are very hard and some things aren't actually skills. Like, like if you think about um, Periscope or YouTube, for example, like some people just shouldn't be doing YouTube videos. Like they're just not. <laughs> There's a it's whole just lot not, of people who shouldn't be doing YouTube Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they'll follow like the Mari Folios and, and the big like YouTube stars and be like, you know, they're doing it. I can make that work. But maybe it's just not a good thing for you to be doing. Like maybe you're just not going to form that connection with people no matter what your skill level is. Maybe it's a skill thing. Maybe it's something else that you, you just connect better over written word. I think I think in, in many ways I'm like that or I, or I used to be more like that. Um, and I just felt like the written stuff was a much easier skill to build. And, and I'm not a particularly good writer. Like my poor editor who has to edit my books, oh, my God. Um, but the, the skill of creating a good blog post I think that's a relatively easy skill to gain. You can do it without being a good writer. 
you can do it without being good at grammar. Um, I think you can get a beautiful blog post without being a good designer. Uh, I think you can be useful and valuable to people without knowing that much about your subject. Um, so I think there's a lot of things you can hack in terms of written content that you can't do with other forms. So if you think like I'm not a good writer, I shouldn't do blogging, then I wouldn't leave it there. I would definitely dig a bit deeper on that to see if it is something you can learn and, and something you can enjoy. But if it's fundamentally something you don't like and you're not good at, then you definitely shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, fair enough. And the loop back, I mean, your your content's always real, uh, you know, it's quality content and and you know, ones you look forward to reading all the time when you see them and it's, and they're epic. They're not just like, you know, the let's put out a 600 word thing. So Google will find us and index. It's a quality content. So let's loop back to that bit about quality because there's tons of people just putting out shit content. Um, yep. how do you, how do you make one, how do you make sure it's quality? And two, how do you, you know, everyone's probably a little bit colorblind to their own, <laughs> their own content and they, you know, it's their baby, so they think it's great. So how do you yep. maintain that kind of honesty around, you know, whether you're producing quality content or not? Well, oh, man, there's so many things. I mean, if, let me deal with about three. The first is if you're not getting traction on your content, it's probably not good content. And so, I mean, I've learned that consistently over the years. We still put content on the WP Curve job, a blog that doesn't get traction. And I can tell why it doesn't get traction. It's because it's not good enough. And I think if you if you think it's because of something else, you're probably wrong. You might you might be right because there's no black and whites here, but you're probably wrong. It's probably because the content's not good enough. Um, I measure that in shares, by the way, not likes or views. I measure it in shares. So if we have a blog post that, and it obviously depends on the size of the community. With our blog, a blog post that gets more than 50 shares to me is a success. And often, if something gets more than 50 shares, it'll get more than 100 shares because it'll it'll be useful content that people like and and the, the bigger names will start sharing it um if so, so so paying attention to what's getting traction in terms of shares is is one thing um i've got a whole bunch of quality content standards that i include in the book uh people can get them up on contentmachine.com forward slash resources whether they read or buy the book at all and they can get that without email opt-in just go up there and grab their google docs a whole bunch of things one of them is content quality standards and and they are what has worked for me. They're not, again, not necessarily what's going to work for you, but it'd be a very good starting point to put together your own standards about what you observe works with your market. And in the end, the quality, I mean, the quality to some extent is in the eye of your audience. Um, but there's some things that are pretty broadly um, true. Like I think longer, more useful, more detailed content generally is better if you've got your own blog. Um having images that are exactly the same size, perfectly formatted, not shrunk down, optimized, uh, not crappy stock images, images that serve a purpose, all the same size on the on the post that look nice and neat. That's a good thing for anybody to do. And a lot of bloggers don't do this. They don't care about it. They don't realize that other people do care about it subconsciously. Um, having good design is almost universal. It's something that everyone can do if they, if they believe it's important. And and I think the reason people don't believe it's important is because bad design doesn't show up in Google Analytics. And in fact, a lot of this stuff doesn't show up in Google Analytics. Um, so there's some of the things you can do for quality content, but I think the, the best thing you can do is to try a lot of things, work out what your audience tells you is good quality content. They do that by sharing it and they do that by telling you in the comments that whatever you've done is something they've actually used or um, it's something they're deeply connected with or it's something they deeply disagreed with. Um, those are the signs that I look for that that tell me that my content is good. And do you have do you have like a minimum 
publishing schedule? Like we're going to put out something at least once a week or do you just go, right, if it's not quality, we're, we're just not going to do it. And we're, you know, if it's three, four weeks between posts, as long as it's an epic piece, we're going to, we're just going to, we're happy to live with that. I mean, does that we, frequency we, we matter do, that much? Yeah. I mean, the, we definitely, if it's not great quality, if we don't think it can get traction, then we don't publish it and we'll do everything to avoid publishing it, including completely rewriting guest articles that people have written for us or co-writing them with them if we think it, if we think they can't salvage it, um, scrapping them or whatever we have to do, we'll, we'll, we'll do that to make sure we don't put anything on the blog that isn't good quality. Uh, so that's important. But we do have a schedule as uh, a schedule of sorts where we aim to do 10 long detailed blog posts each month. And I think that's a with a, full t- a full-ish time, Kyle's pretty flexible, but full-ish time content guy, um, who's writing half the content and managing the guest authors for the other half and also focusing on calls to action and email marketing and a bit of time for strategy and other things. I think that's a reasonable goal. Um, I think quality is much more important than consistency, although um, consistency is really important on social media. So if you're using social media to promote your content, which you should be, then you do need a lot of fresh content coming through. So I wouldn't put crappy content in there just to hit the consistency goal. I would figure out a way to consistently produce great content. Right. Well, that brings us to the next question is how how do you you scale this thing? How do you remove yourself from the picture and scale it if you're going to be a, you know, a big time business owner? Yeah. Well, um, I think the first thing you do is you, you think about it differently. And this is, this is what I want to achieve first and foremost with this book is to achieve what, um, the entrepreneurship, the startup business type guru world was able to achieve with entrepreneurs, which is encourage entrepreneurs to, to, to basically get good at processes and delegating and, and work more on the business um, as opposed to in the business, which, which means you take the entrepreneurial approach to something. You, you go into a market, you analyze you know, a market that exists already and that is healthy um, you analyze what they need and you give them something with a point of difference and then you build a team and scale that. And, and I think you should – I want people to do the same thing with content marketing in that they look at their community, uh, it's an existing community, the business is sound, they look for gaps, look for ways to differentiate and get attention, but they ultimately think about it from an entrepreneur's point of view where they want to get someone else in there to actually do the legwork for that content or at least have the option to do that to enable them to be truly entrepreneurial and um, that's you, you, and, and so there's, there's 10,000 words in this book that talk about that topic. Uh, some of the stuff is delegation. Some of it is procedural. We have uh, processes in there for uh, content quality and for article writing guidelines, um, for like checklists for what to do after a post is published, for promotion, uh, you know, ideas for hiring content managers and content writers, guest writers, all of that kind of stuff is part of the sort of, the delegation piece, and then there's the automation piece, which is making sure certain jobs get done regularly, which we do through Trello and Zapier. You could use Zapier and whatever task a solution you use for your team, making sure that stuff happens without you and without someone else having to organize it. And then um, there's also the email automation piece, which I talk about a little bit, but it probably needs a whole book or, or 10 to really go into. But um, email automation is, is another way you can scale things that, that, that <laughs> we think? use. And, yeah. 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 So, so I talk about, about, I think, four or five different sequences people can use in the book, that, like simple things like uh, uh, pitch sequences for their business so that they pitch people at certain times but not too much. Um, 
sequences where you create content around problems that your business solves so that you have a dedicated sequence for people who like that type of content. That's a strategy that that is uh, something people can try. Um, abandoned cart sequences, things like that. So there's a lot There's a lot that goes into scaling. Choosing the right type of content is important as well. Choosing the right type of business, the fundamentals is important as well because at the end of the day, you need to be able to pay someone to do this and you need to have excess profit to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that go into the idea of scaling. All right, great. Uh, coming up on our time here, Dan, so maybe just one more question, which is, so someone's out there that's got their new business started, they want to do content marketing or they know they have to do content marketing and do it well, what's the first step? Well, you definitely don't have to do it. And, and again, um, I, I, I want to make sure that people aren't doing this because someone else is having success with it because I think you, you'll be failing from the start if you think you have to do something because someone else is doing it. Um, I, th- th- the first step, I think, is probably, other than read my book, of course, and join my community, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, it's probably really understanding what good content is, whether that's in your industry or not. And and I did that by just looking at the other people who are having success with it. And you, you need to be really – you need to question everything when it comes to looking at people's success because I'll, it's a lot easier to be successful at something once you already are successful. So I, if you can possibly see if you can look at examples where people have been recently successful um, that are outliers or – um, look back to how they became successful in the first place and um, look at what they did and how they differentiated that that point. So, so perfect example, I would be looking at like like what I learned from Pat Flynn is not, I mean, Pat Flynn executes his content very well, um, but what I learned from Pat Flynn is not like how do you write a blog post in 2015. What I learned is how do you stand out in 20 whatever it was when he, when he started doing his income reports yeah. uh, through being the first person to do something. Um, so that's the lesson I take from that. Normal people probably get to his site and, and, you know, say they have to do income reports because it's working for Pat Flynn and that's the wrong way to go about it, but really question everything and, uh, work out who's doing this really well, what you can model off them and just really start to understand, uh, what's, what's good content. And then I think about your community, who your community is, what they care about, like, like what they're going to share, what kind of content they're sharing and, and start trying to produce some of this stuff yourself. Cool. Very cool. All right. Dan, you are super prolific online and you've got at least three businesses that I know of. Um, so where's the best place for someone to reach out and uh, find out more about you and Content Machine? Well, I, l- I launched another one yesterday, so uh, four, but uh, who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, my community is is the best place. It's a, I've got two. I've got the Facebook group which you just go to Facebook, put in seven-day startup, and then I've got a private paid membership off the back of that, which I launched yesterday called the seven-day startup group, um, which is a Slack group and, and paid forum and, and training in a lot of these concepts. But the easiest way to get started is to go to Facebook, put in seven-day startup, and you'll find a group there with thousands of entrepreneurs in it who uh, care about starting on businesses in this way and care about content marketing and uh, were inspired by this book or the, or the, or the previous book. And um, I'm very active in there as well. So that's probably the easiest way to get started. All right, great, Dan. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Looking forward to getting my hands on the new book. And uh, Seven Day Startup was certainly instrumental in me getting my business off the ground and uh, kicking the ass I needed to actually make it happen. So always a pleasure talking to you, Dan, and look forward to uh, seeing more of your content online. Thanks, man. Well, great to hear that. I love love hearing that. I want to I want to sort of promote some of these uh, success stories a lot more because people love, love those case studies. Um, but, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. See you, Dan. 
I'd like to thank Dan Norris, and I'd like to thank you for stopping by this week on the Active Marketer podcast. You can find all the show notes from this week's episode at theactivemarketer.com forward slash content machine. And you can find Dan's book over at contentmachine.com. I would encourage you to pick it up if you at all interested in doing content marketing to build your brand. It's a great place to start. I also encourage you to head over to theactivemarketer.com forward slash tagging guide and download our newly updated ninja guide to tagging that tells you all about how to use tags in your marketing automation. So head over there, grab that free guide, uh, and clean up your marketing automation. So thank you for stopping by, and we'll see you on next week's show. In the meantime, get out there and design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.